Good morning. Oh, there was even a Rachel there. Thank you. For those of you who don't know, whether you're worshiping with us in person or online, my name is indeed Rachel, and I'm the associate pastor here at Westlake Village United Methodist Church, or as we like to call it, United Methodist Church Westlake Village. We are so glad that you're joining us in worship today, this Thanksgiving Sunday. Thank you for being with us, whether you are in person or online. I want to give you a few quick reminders that are before us this day. Uh, we've been talking about our stewardship campaign, and I want to remind you that we've extended the campaign a little bit, and we've set a new date for when we need our pledge cards in if you have not turned them in yet. So if you have not returned your pledge card, we'll ask that you submit them by December 5th. Guess what next week is? Oh, my son has his hand up. What's up? Well, Thursday is Thanksgiving. We'll get to that at the children's message. What's next Sunday? First Sunday in Advent. Good job, everyone. I know it's crazy. Thanksgiving is on Thursday, and on Sunday, we are stepping into our Advent and Christmas season, which means that we have a few things coming up. First of all, we have an Advent event next Sunday afternoon at 4.30 with crafts, with activities, with a screening of the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, the original animated version of that, uh, and then our traditional lighting of the creche on the corner at 5.30. Whether you come for the whole thing or just a portion of it, we would love to have you join us. There is a registration if you're coming to the craft time so that we can have enough crafts available for all of our families. We have Advent studies starting next week as well. We have our Illuminated 2021 study, which is facilitated by Jan Richardson. If you are interested in getting the emails for that study, please let me know because I need to submit your email addresses to Jan so that she can email them out to you. It's going to cost approximately $40 unless I get an influx this week of people who say that they want to be a part of the study. So I look forward to being a part of that study with you, whether you join us on Wednesday afternoons to talk about the emails we receive or not. Additionally, we have an Advent study based on The Grinch Who Stole Christmas called The Heart That Grew Three Sizes. I want you to note that there's been a change in time. It's now on Wednesdays in the morning at 10 a.m. I'd love for you to sign up. We have books in the office. They're, about, they're $14 if you buy, buy them through us, so we would love for you to join us in that study. And then my final announcement is, is that with Advent being next week, if we have some people who are willing to stick around after worship for 15 to 20 minutes to help us flip part of the sanctuary so that we're ready for Advent next week, I'd greatly appreciate it. So if you can stick around, come see me uh, once worship is done, and we will start getting ready for the Advent season. Over the last few months, we've been talking about setting a course for a better life. In January, we talked about preparing... In January... Woo! We haven't been doing it that long. In September, we've been talking about preparing for the journey. In October, we explored aspects of life involved with setting sail. Now, in November, we are talking about facing challenges on the journey. We've looked at temptations and testings that come our way and the need for pruning and course correction to reach our goal. Today, our focus is realizing the value of stamina and resiliency on the journey. 
for it is in our healthy persistence that we reach our goal. So I want to invite us to take a moment to center our hearts for worship by receiving the introit from the choir. Everyone, take note that the, uh, the musical genius beside, behind the introit and the extroit is with us this morning. Bruce, we're glad to have you in worship with us. Please, let us stand for the call to worship and remain standing um, masked for the opening hymn. Seeking the winds of the Spirit to carry us forward, we can sense when our goal is on the horizon. Stamina and resilience throughout the journey are keys to its success. Yes. Thank you. 
seated, please. You know, Rachel and I have had a couple laughs about how um, we've moved to the, the screens now for all our, our printed material for the, the worship service and how that's a ecologically good thing and we're uh, excited about the possibilities that that gives us for worship. But, but one of the things that's been a part of that is that it, it's, it's made it that we don't use the hymnals that are in the pews. And, and, and we were... We were laughing because we, we noticed that the couple folk that picked up the pew, uh, the hymnal in the pew, to look at were young people. And our assumption had been that it would be us old timers who had been doing it for 60 or 70 years that feel like they have to see the, the notes and stuff like that. But uh, uh, interesting surprise for us. You're welcome to open the hymnal if you'd like. It's there for your, um, your help if you need to know what a B-flat looks like to sing it. Let's pray. Holy God, we are glad that we are together this morning in worship. We recognize that each day is a day that you have created and we celebrate it as sacred every day. But particularly on Sundays, we gather with our brothers and sisters of faith to honor you and to open ourselves up to the prompting of your spirit that would encourage us to more faithfully worship and serve you. We do that again today. Be present with us. Nudge us or knock us aside the head, whatever is needed, to awaken to your presence and to your will to your purposes, for what we should be about in our lives. As we celebrate Christ the King this Sunday, the reign of Christ Sunday, we celebrate that it is through your incarnation that we have been given the clearest vision of who we are and who you are and how we can walk together. Help us in that walk. In your son's name we pray, amen. again. This is the time in our worship where I get to talk directly to the children of our church, and it's so wonderful to see you with us. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? Mark, now's the time to answer your, or your answer for the question. What's coming up this week? Thanksgiving. Good job. All right. This Thursday is Thanksgiving, and today is called Thanksgiving Sunday, in addition to being Christ the King Sunday, because we take the time to pause, to give thanks, and to make sure that we don't rush so headlong into Christmas that we forget that each and every day should be a moment of thankfulness where we give thanks to God. 
I give thanks for each and every one of you because I saw several of you like wanting to come up when you heard the music play this morning. And I look forward to the day that we can gather at the steps again and we can talk with one another a little bit closer than we are right now. I give thanks for so much, but I want to hear what are you thankful for? And I didn't set anyone up for this, so we'll see if we get any responses. Kids, what are you thankful for? Lainey. For your family. All right, I saw Maya's hand next. Your pets, nice. James? Life. Woohoo, that's an excellent one. Mark, what are you thankful for? Your house, that's a good one too. Luke, do you want to try? Yes, Luke. For your room, nice. And I'm thankful that Lovey is with us trying to walk up to meet me today. How are you, beautiful? It is so great to see you. It is so wonderful when we have children in our midst and we remember that we are all part of the body of Christ. I am thankful for each and every one of our children and each and every one gathered in this space and gathered with us online as we are community together. And that is a great gift. I'll come talk to you in just a second, lovey, I promise. All right. So as we look into this week, let us take the time to make sure that we give thanks, that we give thanks for all of the material things in our lives, but we also remember that God is with us each and every day. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today and thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for yesterday. Thank you for loving us. Help us to be thankful people. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys, have fun in Sunday school today. You know, when you, when you get to be my age and 
I recognize for so many of you, I am a youngster. <laughs> but actually, not so young. And there was a concern in churches that we welcome uh, the youngsters to worship. And as that happened, there was a concern that those youngsters were annoying because they were noisy or they were moving around, stuff like that. And I just feel the need to say I am just so glad that we are a kind of church that welcome the youngsters among us. And if you recall, it was not uh, too many months ago that that little one called Lovey was on a surgical uh, gurney having heart work done so that she might uh, thrive in her life. And there was great anxiety over that and great thanksgiving that all went well. And now we have the blessing of her wandering between our legs and in our pews, um, celebrating uh, the life that is just hers. Um, yet we have the perspective, we have the perspective of knowing uh, the journey that she's already gone through, and we are full of thanks. So don't worry, Mom. Don't worry about wherever she goes. We are glad that she's here. Let's be in prayer. Holy God, we think this morning of the blessing of life. And so often we take it for, for granted and we find ourselves even getting annoyed about little inconveniences Yet, as we pause, as we think about all that we have gone through in these last couple years in particular, we realize the great blessing of breath and life and heartbeats, fellowship with one another, the expressing of love, the opportunity to hold hands, to dream of tomorrow. We are thankful. We are thankful people. We give you thanks for the power of your grace in our lives so that when we stumble, when we fall short, when we sin, that that is not the end of the story for us. We give you thanks for your wisdom that show us the way forward. We give you thanks for the abundance of your creation, of what we experience as providence, the goodness and the wonder of it all, and the opportunity you give us to be stewards, partners with you in the maintaining of it. Such a blessing. Call us to attention to be good stewards.
We give you thanks for your love in our life that transforms and heals the redemption that makes things new, the spirit that sustains. Thanks be to you, Lord God. We think this morning specifically of circumstances that have come to our attention, people and families that we pray for would be touched in a special way by your spirit. So again, we lift up Linda and her husband Dave, Kathy and her husband Ken, as they make their way forward in their lives recovering and dealing with therapy from their cancer. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for your tender care upon Susan Judd Nurquick, the back pain and back work that she is going through. We pray your care upon Julie Elgener for the ear surgery that she will be sustaining this week. We pray that you would help Susanna and Julie to recover well. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Larry Tebow as he suffers what appears to be COVID symptoms, yet is not COVID symptoms, and we are thankful for that, yet he is suffering respiratory problems, fatigue, is having a very difficult time actually moving through his days. We pray that you would help his, his medical team to figure out what exactly is going on and prescribe what's necessary for his healing. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for comfort for Beth Steele as she grieves the death of her husband who died during open heart surgery this week. For all those who are touched by his passing, we pray comfort and strength. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Deborah Huckabee, Paul Faye's niece who has contacted COVID and for all those who are suffering from this disease and fighting to recover, perhaps even fighting for their lives, uh, we pray your help and your empowerment. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we think of those who are experiencing particular moments of joy this day, Lovey and her family, uh, parishioners who are, are finding their way back to church the first time in, in many, many, many months, families and friends who are finding ways to be safe and, and guard their health, yet still gather for Thanksgiving for all of these moments of joy that we are having and will be having this week. We give you thanks, Lord God. Oh Lord, 
hear our prayers. We think also of people and other situations that are private upon our hearts yet weigh upon our hearts and we spend a moment in private prayerful thought now. Come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerful way that helps these folks know your support, your nurture, and your healing. And we pray for our church this morning as it continues in its ministries through these challenging, challenging times. We ask for your help in maintaining our effectiveness and our vitality for your purposes and causes. May the good we do, Lord God, be pleasing in your sight. And may our parishioners rally around our mission and empower it through their stewardship. We pray this all in your holy son's name, joining together in the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
was beautiful. And let me say that Descant singing both parts at the same time, super impressive. I admit I would never be able to do that, but that's just me. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we give you thanks for melodies that take place and take root in our hearts, reminding us of the blessings and the depth of the love that you have for us. Be with us this day that we might feel the ways in which you are inviting us to run this race with grace, to continue forward in seeking your will in our lives. Give us the resiliency and the stamina that we need to stay the course and to seek our lives based in your love and trust. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. For God so loved the world that he made us for love. For God so loved the world that God incarnated love itself in the person of Jesus. For God so loved the world that God empowered us to love even our enemies, even the worst person on Twitter, even those who seem incapable of love themselves. For God so loved the world that God called us to death, indeed walked ahead of us to death, because God knew that on the other side we'd find resurrection. Despite what the world may have you believe, love isn't weak. Love has the toughness to endure even amidst the worst of humanity. Love has the strength to survive even the ugliest of bigotry, even the most murderous hatreds. Love has the resilience to rise again even when the world has declared it dead. And this love is what you and I were made for, even as it seems so very far away. Now, you guys have heard me talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit does amazing things. This was in my reading this week. These words about love and its resiliency are found in Rachel Held Evans' most recent work, Wholehearted Faith. This book is a footnote on a short but profound career of a woman who earnestly loved God and sought to reconcile the places in her life where understandings of, understanding of God's love didn't line up with the values of her childhood faith. This posthumous work was, was a compilation of the work that she had begun prior to her unexpected death at age 37. We have been using the phrase in our church let love lead for a while. Those words from Held Evans speak clearly and profoundly about why we do just that. Setting a course for a better life is about embracing the love that God has for us and letting that love guide us on our journey. As we continue on our journey of faith, we must remember that love is resilient and that we are encouraged to continue rising. Love has a toughness to endure the trials and tribulations of life. Love should be how we face the challenges of the storms that we encounter. But how do we let love lead in real and profound ways? Brene Brown 
has some answers to that. I wonder if Brown's work on wholehearted living didn't inspire Held Evans' book on wholehearted faith. Held Evans says, I kept Brown's books on my nightstands. Her work has been an invaluable force in helping me to reintegrate my heart, soul, mind, and body after years of torn to pieces hood. That's a lot of hyphens in there, but I think you get it. Wholehearted living, according to Brown, is a posture of resilience and compassion that begins with the conviction that, yes, I am imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. Wholehearted living as a way of engaging the world from a place of worthiness is what it's all about. Brown's research concluded that the key connection is no mystery. She says, I realized that only one thing separated the men and women who felt a deep sense of love and belonging from the people who seemed to struggle with it. That one thing was the belief in their worthiness. If we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe we are worthy of love and belonging. As it turns out, this desire to be loved and to belong is not unique to emotionally needy writers and spoiled by their parents. It is inherent to all of us. It helps, us, it helps make us human. These words are from Held Evans right now. You'll find evidence of this in Brene's research. She spent the last 20 years studying the characteristics of people who, regardless of like circumstances, exhibit resilience. Using a qualitative method known as grounded research theory, Brown conducted thousands of interviews with people spanning all sorts of cultural and socioeconomic backgrounds to conclude that a deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need for all women, men, and children. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. Brown writes in The Gifts of Imperfection, when those needs are not met, we don't function as we are meant to. We break, we fall apart. We hurt people, we get sick. It is a difficult concept for many of us. Deep down in our hearts, we need to know, to trust that we are made in love, with love, and to love. Does that sound familiar to anyone else? Okay, I heard some hmms. Because it sounds like what I say each time I have the opportunity to ex extend and offer our benediction, to remember that love is at our root and at our core. And when we embrace that love, we thrive and share it with the world. Do we let the love of the Lord permeate our souls? That is how we let love lead. It comes from allowing God to reside in us, to change us for the better, and to go out into the world to make the world a better place as well. Held Evans says, we can't do it in and, in and of ourselves. We can't do it if we don't feel loved ourselves. It can be difficult for those of us living in a culture that prizes earning power above nearly everything else 
to understand that in an economy of grace, the currency of deserved and undeserved is is irrelevant. It is absolutely true that we can't earn God's love. But it's not because you are a hopeless wretch whose sin makes it impossible for God to even look at you or because you have done something so grievously wrong that your soul has been permeated or permanently stained as if by a spiritual sharpie. The truth is you can't earn God's love because you already have it. You can't be any more loved than you are because God's love has already been freely and abundantly given. You can't do anything to achieve a greater portion of God's love because God's love for you is already unconditional and it is already infinite. I don't know about you, but I need to hear those words again. The truth is you can't earn God's love because you already have it. You can't be any more loved because loved than you are because God's love has already been freely and abundantly given. You can't do anything to achieve a greater portion of God's love because God's love for you is already unconditional and it is already infinite. If you just sit with those words and let them keep repeating in your ears throughout the next week, I think, at least for me, I will be a better person by embracing that truth. Now, if you remember when I started the sermon, I gave the For God So Loved the World statements by Evans, and one of them, or held Evans, and one of them was, For God so loved the world that he called us to death, indeed walked ahead of us to death, because God knew that on the other side, we'd find resurrection. In the terms of what we're talking about, when we put to death our insecurity and feelings of unworthiness, we rise to wholehearted living and faith. When we embrace the depths of God's love for each and every one of us, we can go on to wholehearted living. We can get up again and again and keep going. Our motivation and stamina can continue because we see the resurrection possibilities on the other side. We know that Jesus and those that go before us in faith have already paved the way. So I want to invite us to hear our scriptures for today. Joanna? Good morning. Our scripture lesson comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1b through 4 and 12 through 13. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against him from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak needs and make your straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our scripture lesson comes from Philippians chapter 3, 
verses 12 through 16. Not that I have obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us, then, who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Mm. Now, I confess that I didn't entirely know that Scott was reading the scripture when I put the scripture also in my notes. Scott does such a great job of bringing the scripture to life, but you know me, I like sharing the scripture from the message as well, because sometimes when we hear it with different words, different things jump out at us. So sections of the first scripture that Scott read to us from Hebrews 12 say, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right beside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline that will shoot adrenaline into your souls sometimes when we're on a journey and we face challenges we do feel like we can't handle anymore and that our energy is waning but when we think back to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us I hope that it gives us the energy and the inspiration to live more fully and to go further in our faith. The Hebrew scriptures in the message continues on towards the end to say, no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long distance runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. We are in this together. We've been talking about that for so long now. While we are all on our individual races, we support one another on our journey. We strive to become better people together. Now, I'm not a long-distance runner. I know we have a couple in this room who have run marathons. My kids have godparents who have run marathons. And I have a great deal of respect for you you could probably give us lessons about how to keep going when we get cramps, when we feel like we can't go anymore, and how we find that energy to persevere. Similar to marathons on our faith life, we keep going, we press forward so that we might seek and attain that place that we are looking for in our life with Christ. The Philippians passage that Scott read for us reads like this in the message. I'm not saying that I have it all together. I feel like this could have been written by me. That I have it made. 
but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us forward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything that God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than that total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Again, I feel like I could have written those words. Let's work on this together. Let's trust that God will clear up the blurriness for us. And when we do fall or fail or get knocked down, we are invited to fail forward, to let those stumbling blocks and moments of getting off course be learning opportunities rather than a place of stuckedness. That's my own hyphenated word, similar to Rachel Held Evans' hyphenated word. Stuckedness, I like it. One of Brene Brown's books is entitled Rising Strong. In it, she outlines the process to do just that, rising strong and failing forward. She says the goal of the process is to rise from our falls, overcome our mistakes, and face hurt in a way that brings more wisdom and wholeheartedness to our lives. This process has three parts the reckoning, the rumble, and the revolution. The reckoning is walking into our story, recognizing the emotion and being curious about those feelings that come up and how they connect to the way that we think and behave. The rumble is owning our story, being honest about the stories that we make up about our struggle, and then we challenge ourselves to work through these assumptions to determine what truly is true, that's a funny statement, and what's self-protection and what needs to change if we want to lead a more wholehearted life. And the last stage is the revolution, where we actively and earnestly work to write a new ending to our story based on what we've learned through that reckoning and rumble process to use this new story to change how we engage with the world and ultimately transform the way we live, love, parent, and lead. This rising strong process is that death and resurrection that Held Evans talked about with God's love. When we work through our reckoning and rumble, we can have the revolution of new life. The problem is that I think that too often we get stuck in stages one and two of the process. We either don't own our emotions and work to get to the root of them, or we don't own our part in the story. When we do, when we do that, when we do both of those things, we are as resilient as we need to be. Our stamina is caught up in the feels rather than letting the feels move. Okay, rather than letting, let me rephrase that because that sentence didn't make sense. 
when we get stuck in either of those places, we get caught up in the feelings that we're having instead of recognizing how those feelings might move us forward and change the story. It is only when we work through all of the feelings and the stories that we've created that we are able to have the transformation on the other side. Ashley Good, the founder and CEO of Fail Forward, a social enterprise with the mission to help organizations develop cultures that encourage the risk-taking, creativity, and continuous adaptation required for innovation is an example of the Rising Strong process. Good got started as a development worker in Ghana with Engineers Without Borders and worked to be with the organization or worked with the organization to be risk takers to learn from their successes and their failures they began creating and publishing actual failure reports where they took the time to assess that when they had mistakes when things didn't work out the way that they thought they would so that they could truly learn from the experience and adapt and make the changes Brown says that the organization's commitment to solve some of the world's most difficult problems, like poverty, requires innovation and learning. So it, is, it put achieving its mission before looking good and sparked a revolution. Because sometimes when we write our own story in that rumble, it's because we're trying to appear good, to appear like we have it all together, instead of being vulnerable and saying, I need help, I need support, guide me on this way. Good's efforts and learning showed that work, working through the failure can transform our feelings from sadness, fear, a feeling of making a fool of ourselves, desperation, panic, shame, or heartache, into a knowing that admitting and working through the experience was helpful and elicited a sense of generosity, openness, knowledgeability, braveness, and courage. Good made the powerful point that there's a vast difference between how we think about the term failure and how we think about people and organizations brave enough to share their failures for the purpose of learning and growing. To pretend that we can get to helping generous and brave without navigating through tough emotions like desperation, shame, and panic is a profoundly dangerous and misguided assumption. Rather than gold-plating grit and trying to make failure look fashionable, we'd be better off learning how to recognize the beauty in truth and tenacity. I think that when we consider resiliency and stamina for ourselves, we are beholden to think about it as a church as well. We must be honest with ourselves and tenacious enough to live into the future that God is calling us to. I believe that we are going through the rising strong process. I want us to recognize our emotions, to own our parts in the story so that we can have that revolution or that resurrection. Our congregation has gone through much in the four and a half years that Walt and I have been here. It may feel like we are in the wilderness place. And guess what? Brene Brown has a book about that too. In that book, she seeks to cultivate a culture of true belonging. She interviewed Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll and was blown away to, by his answer 
when he asked about his time in the wilderness. Carol said, oh yes, I know that place. I've been fired in the wilderness a couple of times. I'm aware of what's generally accepted from an NFL coach, but sometimes you have to be bold and take chances. And there's a special kind of resilience that comes from the level of scrutiny that happens in the wilderness. I know those experiences left me with a truer belief in myself and a much stronger sense of when I, I'm not being true to what I think is right. As we walk this road together as people of faith, we, are, we may feel like we're in a wilderness right now. And our efforts is to discern who we are supposed to be and how we live into the world doing the right, the good, the work of God so that the community can continue to grow and thrive. Much of what we've experienced in the last four and a half years, we could not have anticipated. But we must do the work needed to rise strong with stamina and resilience. We need to continue the course to a better life. We need to believe in ourselves and our congregation and work toward our sense of what is right and what we are being called to next. To that end, we have a video from our church leadership team. Joanna and Jason are queuing that now. Greetings. My name is Don Phillipson, and I've been a member of United Methodist Church Westlake Village since 1983. I've served in a variety of leadership roles over the years, and as with so many of our members, the church has been an extended family, providing encouragement in good times and bad. In our case, helping my wife and me raise our children and then supporting us as my wife battled cancer. Today, grandchildren run between my legs as I greet old and new friends on campus. UMCWV means the world to me. I hope it means a lot to you as well. I want to help UMCWV emerge from these pandemic days with a renewed sense of purpose and power. So I'm pledging generously to its stewardship campaign, and I hope you will also. Our church has served the Canale Valley community and its members for more than 50 years. Today's church membership is smaller, has more older members and fewer younger families. But one thing has not changed. We have a wonderful, caring group of people. Our church provides outstanding ministries for our multi-generational membership and the community at large, with volunteer work and financial support given to a variety of outreach, mission, and social concerns. First and foremost is a place of worship where we share joys and concerns, experience inspiring music, hold baptisms, and celebrate weddings and memorial services. We do so much more by providing people with fellowship, love, and care along their faith journey. As members, we strive to grow in our faith through our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. The church has weathered the storms of socio-political and denominational unrest in recent years and has handled the challenges of the pandemic in creative and responsible ways. We are now excited about emerging into these new post-pandemic days, being vibrant and effective for the cause of Christ in our community. We hope you will join our effort and help make this a reality. 
During the next year, we're launching new affinity groups, which will allow inquisitive and compassionate segments of our congregation to gather for support and education. Our LGBTQI and Black Diaspora affinity groups are just two examples of this new effort to draw people together in Christian fellowship and growth. We have been fortunate to already make dramatic enhancements in our audiovisual capabilities, incorporated many Zoom meetings and classes since the pandemic began, and are live streaming our worship services on YouTube, as well as being together in person in the sanctuary. We will continue to develop our worship experience because worship is our primary resource for a life lived well. Education is also a major interest for our congregation. As we explore our faith, its practices, its ethical challenges, and how to constructively engage and transform our society toward the goals of God's justice and peace. It's a daunting task, but it is God's business for us to do. Strengthening our families has been a focus of ministries at UMCWB for decades. We recognize the potential power of shared staffing and collaborative ministries in our community with two other nearby UMCs. This new Canale connection is exciting as it highlights innovative ministry and acknowledges possible shifting of Pastor Rachel's duties. In the spirit, our journey together will be better. Your generosity will determine how this reemergence of UMC WV looks. Will we have one, one and a half, or two ordained clergy at our helm? Will our music program return to its pre-pandemic robust strength? How fully will we be able to participate in new creative ministries? Will we grow in our mission support and community giving? All of these opportunities depend on the extent of our members' giving. Respond to God's blessings in your life with thanksgiving. By giving generously to UMCWV to underwrite its ministries and staffing in 2022. Be the difference you want to see. Empower our ministries through your generosity to face the challenges ahead. Please submit your pledge or intent to give cards within the next week or by Sunday, December 5th. Together, we can set a course for a better life. As it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, nor thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Thank you, Don, and the team that brought this video together. We are a resilient people. I am thankful for you, and I know that Walt and I are honored to serve you. I believe that UMCWV will rise strong. I hope and pray that it will include me on the journey, but know that God is with this congregation as we do a new thing and set this course for a better life. I want to end with a reminder to let love lead and invite you to receive these words from Rachel Held Evans. God is still God. Even as I still believe that God calls us to change the world, to make it more just, to make it more equitable, to make it more loving, I also believe that God empowers the world to help change us, 
to make us more just, to make us more equitable, to make us more loving. The, stubborns, or the stubbornness of my, our cynicism, it turns out, is no match for the resilience of God's love or for the steady work of living, living water. May the resilience of God's love and the steady work of living water give each and every one of us the resilience and stamina to set a course and to stay on that course for a better life. Amen. We are excited to emerge in a, a safe, healthy way, step by step from the pandemic. We sense our goal is on the horizon, more clear than ever before, but still out beyond us. Seeking balance and pacing, bouncing back and staying focused. These are key qualities to, to moving forward. We're praying we continue on this trajectory towards greater engagement with one another that is healthy. Christmas Eve services in person. Well, <laughs> we're hoping, we're planning, as well as online. Now, however long this takes, we are set and moving forward and we will adapt, we will change, and we will create our ministries to help support and to nurture you. Stamina and resilience throughout the journey are keys to our success. Help us be the church for you and the church for our community as we move into 2022. Your support is crucial, so give generously to our weekly offering and pledge generously your intent to support our ministries in 2022.
I don't know if you noticed, but in Held Evans' book and in the quotes that I made from her, she used resiliency in a variety of ways. She talked about our resiliency. She talked about the resiliency of love, and she talked about God's resiliency. Because the truth is, is that when we are weak, God is strong, and God helps give us the strength that we need to move forward. And with that, friends, I want to remind you that if you can help out for a couple minutes after worship, I would appreciate it. If you have questions about the LGBTQI affinity group, David Kettle is in the congregation today, and you can stop by and visit with him. And now I invite you to receive these words. Rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth to love. Confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you in love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love, goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen.